Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Jim Cornette, 1988. Beautiful, Bobby, I think we're taking Sweet Stan, I think we're taking We might have to just flip a coin to see, Dusty Rhodes, who gets the honor of whipping your you-know-what and taking that gold away from you. And Big Bubba Rogers, the only man in the world that can strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. He's going to win the bunkhouse stampedes, brother. Jim Cornette, 1995. If Lawrence Taylor wants to impress somebody, if he wants to impress me, he ought to do something really good. He ought to fly on a commuter plane without a parachute. He ought to hire OJ's defense team and win his case. He ought to strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Jim Cornette, 2019. Trevor Murdoch, he's mad, bad, and dangerous to know. He's the only man I've ever known that could strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Trevor Murdoch can take care of himself. Oh, Jim Cornette, the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Had a great thing going with NWA Power, giving that real retro feel to the show. Vintage Jim Cornette, a little bit too vintage, if I may say so myself. And too bad we didn't have like 30 hours in a day instead of 24. I would have pulled the times that he said that in 1985, 1986, 1994, 1997. He has said that so many times over the years. And no, I am not justifying it. I will give you my thoughts in a little bit. But first, the formalities. What's up, everyone? We're already at episode 10, believe it or not. It is Wednesday night, Donalite. I am Don Tony, as always. It is November 20th, 2019, and I hope everybody is enjoying this great evening. Brian Alvarez, love you. Love his work. Him and um, Meltzer, I have no problem with whatsoever. But when he writes a tweet tonight saying... Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Shorty G, Mustafa Ali, King Corbin, Montez Ford, Mandy Rose, Sonny Deville, all likely in NXT tonight, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. Do you understand the definition of leading into Survivor Series? 
They want NXT fans that maybe don't subscribe to the WWE Network to possibly subscribe and watch Survivor Series. They want the NXT guys to get a nice rub from Survivor Series so more people would watch the product. I mean, come on. You have a little restaurant that is on, you open a brand new restaurant. Or better yet, you always had a restaurant inside a mall. We'll call the WWE Network a fucking mall. And inside the mall, you had this little restaurant where everybody goes window shopping and, you know, buying clothes, buying gifts. And then, oh, you know, let's stop by and get some of those cinnamon rolls. Or maybe we could stop and get a tuna sandwich. And you do pretty good over there. And then you decide, you know what? I want to open up a regular restaurant, not in a fucking mall where all these other things are around. I'm going to open it down the block. But wait, there's another restaurant opening up as well. Well, you know what? Eh, you know, I'm not competing with the other restaurant. But my God, why would you not want to get as many fucking customers as possible to check out your establishment. Just because NXT, WWE wants more people to tune in doesn't mean that they're trying to stick it to AEW. I mean, of course, I've already talked about it. Vince McMahon doesn't want to give AEW any chance to develop. But this idea that, oh, it's a, uh, trying to be sarcastic, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, come on, man. I, I know there's some people in podcasting and journalism that are really in the back pocket for AEW and others. Me, I support AEW. If you listen on a regular basis, you know that. But I talk, tell it straight up. If I love stuff, I will praise it. If I don't like stuff, I will complain. And if I hate stuff, I will shit all over it. And I'm not going to be in the back pocket. Look at Look at the Jim Cornette stuff today. You know, you see these people with blue check marks all gloating that Cornette got fired. You know, I mean, let me tell you something, skeletons. Go buy a fucking mirror, hang it up close to your closet, and make sure, you know, you, you clean out those skeletons in your own closets. You know, Jim Cornette's a Democrat. I'm a fucking Republican. I don't give a shit what political, you know, uh, affiliation he's with. All right. But all these people that think they're fucking altar boys and priests out there that are all having their, their balls in a bunch because of what Cornette said. Uh, calm down. Calm down. All right. Now, for those that are going to ask me right off the bat, what are my thoughts on what happened with Jim Cornette? And I'm not going to explain the entire scenario, but long story short, NWA Power, Episode 7, we have a match going on, uh, Nick Aldis, uh, you know, wrestling in a, in a non-title match, I should uh, mention, against Trevor Murdoch, and obviously you heard what Jim Cornette said. Uh, there was a lot of backlash online, demanding apologies and more, and, you know, uh, I'm going to say it, man. There are a lot of podcasters, new podcasters, young podcasters, old podcasters, podcasters that their expiration date expired years ago, but, you know, they'll Photoshop that they're still fresh and, you know, good. Uh, they all want the likes and the appreciation and the acknowledgement from the uh, companies that they enjoy watching. They don't have the balls to say it point blank. And I'm sorry for any haters out there that don't like that I'm bringing you some personal experience to explain why I'm saying what I'm saying. Here's the deal, all right? 
everybody that follows me for a long time knows that I worked with XPW in 2002. And one of the things that I had to do, and even though I don't talk to that guy Slash anymore, anybody knows this story, you know, Slash is the reason why the Don Tony, you know, name was born and all that shit. We'll talk about that another day. But, you know, he's still around and I know some of you talk to him. You could ask him. I am 1000% accurate in telling you straight up what the deal is. But when XPW first invaded the ECW arena in 2002, all right, and they started off with Hostile Takeover. They started airing weekly in the Philadelphia area. And because the XPW company owned by Rob Black at the time and Kevin Kleinrock was involved and others, they were all West Coast guys. There was nobody there to bring the tape to the local Philadelphia TV station so XPW could air in Philly every single week. Slash and myself used to drive every Monday from New York to Philly just to hand the television station the tape and then drive all the way back home. Straight up. Now, what does this have to do with Jim Cornette? What does this have to do with NWA? Well, I'm going to tell you. You know, Dave Lagana, you know, God bless him. Billy Corgan, God bless him. But, um, you know, when they said one of our talents said some offensive things, first of all, that's a pussy move by not name dropping who the person was. That's number one. Number two, let me get back to the XPW thing. What a lot of people don't know is that I can't remember his name right now. I apologize. I haven't thought about his name in about 17 years. It's been that long. But the guy that used to produce the XPW weekly television show in Philadelphia was, get ready, was the same guy that produced ECW TV especially towards the end of its era, the original ECW. And myself and Slash, a couple of times, we actually drove to this guy's house. I think it was in Westchester. I don't think it was Yonkers, but it was in Westchester somewhere. Um, And we went to this guy's house, and we went into his fucking basement. The house was beautiful. I remember this gigantic driveway, and we went into... You know, like, just like, you felt like you were in something really special. It was the studio where the ECW TV used to be produced. And this guy would sit in there and he would splice in the music, listen to the matches, listen to Kevin Claus, whatever his name was, you know, really cool guy at the time. He would listen to everything, put it all together, put it on this little tape, give it to us, and then we would drive out to Philly and drop the tape off. That's how it worked. You didn't even have one day to FedEx it because I think ECW, uh, XPW TV might have aired on Tuesday, if I remember correctly. So we couldn't even like, can't we just overnight it FedEx on Monday so we don't have to drive all the way to Philly? My point is, for all the people out there that are saying, wow, you know, how did NWA not catch this? Or, you know, how do you... They knew very well what Cornette said. The problem is, is that Cornette has said that remark 
going back to 1985 when we had the big Ethiopia crisis where we had millions of Ethiopians dying from starvation. So him at the time, he used Ethiopia. I saw all these people in the last 24 hours talking about a black-white thing. It had nothing to do with black or white. I, I know some people are pulling other things that Cornetta said over the years. And yeah, look, I, I don't blame people for really being upset right now, but it was about hunger. And when he said, put a bucket of fried chicken, and I'm not defending Jim Cornette. What he said is unacceptable. And I'll explain why, even though I've heard him say it about six times, seven times over the years. All right. When he said, strap a bucket of chicken on his back and fucking ride on a scooter, He's talking back to 1985, where if you showed up in Ethiopia with a fucking hamburger roll, you had 50 people trying to kill you over it. You go into some... I remember in 1986, when I was going to go to Italy with my school for vacation, I remember we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go. And one of my friends was telling me, we got to go to Mexico. We got to go to Mexico. I'm like, why? He's like, you don't understand. You get off the airport. There's like all these girls of age, all these girls that for five bucks, you could bang them. And and look, we're teenagers. We're like picturing ourselves being like pimps. Getting off a fucking hotel, uh, uh, an air, airline and going to the hotel and getting five or six hookers, you know, because they need five bucks because they got no money. But then, you know, you looked into it a little bit further. You didn't have internet at the time. And as you would talk to teachers and others, they would educate us a little bit about, you know, well, there's pimps behind it and drug cartels and you could get mugged and this. I'm like, you know what? At my age at that time, I, I 15, 16 years old, I, I don't think I want to get robbed while I'm in Mexico. So I went to Italy instead. But the thing is, is that, you know, NWA knew what Jim Cornette said. They didn't think that it was all that extreme and outlandish because Cornette has said it repeatedly in the past. The only reason why they're apologizing now is because it offended so many people. I invite everybody out there, go on YouTube. There is a clip on YouTube. It is, it, I think the title is The Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. And if you go in that clip, the, one of the clips that I played tonight is on there. And if you look at the comments from as old as 10 years ago to as recent as a year or two ago, what you will see in the YouTube comments over and over again, wow, Cornette, hilarious, that Ethiopia comment, LOL, oh my God, vintage Cornette, LOL, LMAO, FAO, FAO Schwartz, blah, 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 every, thank you, Ben, right in the trap. There was much different times. Let me repeat. As old as 10 years ago and as recent as a year or two ago, people were putting it over like, wow, over the top. But that's vintage cornet. LOL. Love it. Blah, blah, blah. Go see for yourself. Why, after only a few years, is it absolutely god-awful? I'll tell you why. Because that clip, and this is why Cornette, in my opinion, uh, probably did need to leave NWA. And I know that's not a popular thing, but I'll explain why. See, when you go on YouTube and you hear Cornette say this from 85, 86, 88, 93, 95, whatever year you want to pull, of course it's a fucked up comment. There were a lot of comedians back in the 80s that were making Ethiopia jokes. 
I mean, it, it, this is not like anything out of the ordinary. You really wanted to get heat on yourself. You would throw an Ethiopian joke out there. I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes. But here's the problem. When you go on YouTube and you hear Cornette from 15 years ago, all right, it's fucked up, but vintage Cornette, whatever. When Jim Cornette in 2019, he's trying to, as he's doing commentary, think of things that he used to say from yesteryear that would click, that would sound catchy. And in his mind, he pulls this doozy out of the bag. Now, the fact that he thinks that this is okay to say in 2019 shows that Jim Cornette has not changed at all. Jim Cornette has not changed at all. Did anybody, as much as I don't like Justin Roberts, did anybody see what he wrote about Justin Roberts last week? Saying that Justin Roberts looks like he should be a registered sex offender. Don't put him around ch children. He's too happy the way he's dressed up. He looks like he's a child molester. I don't like Justin Roberts. He's got me blocked on social media. But what the fuck does that come from? You know, I know Jim Cornette's got an entertaining podcast and I've really lightened up about him for the last couple of years. But when in 2019, whether it's spur in a moment or not, when it's 2019 and you think to yourself, yeah, you know, let me throw this, you know, blast from the past out there because it just, he's trying to, oh, but this makes Trevor Murdoch look so tough because if he goes into Ethiopia with food on his back, you know, you're going to have people trying to attack him and that's why he's a tough son of a bitch. I understand what he was trying to do. The fact that you think that's okay to say in 2019, this man has not changed his mindset at all. So, you know, for people out there that think it was a little extreme for him to leave NWA, uh, you know, give his notice, step down, get fired, forced out, whatever you want to think, this is going to keep happening because this is what's in his soul. All right. Is he racist? I don't know. I don't know the guy personally, but you could see that in his mind and in his heart, he doesn't think that this is all that offensive. And that's the reason why. You say it in 85, 86, 88, 94, sure, it's not appropriate, but, you know, show that you evolve and you grew over the years. You know, I mean, me, I've said a lot of controversial insults in the past, but if I'm going to pull things from yesteryear, you know, I'll go and say, Mambo Mike, you know, you couldn't get a girl wet if you threw her in a pool. You know what I mean? Like, you don't go race card or anything like that. And I love Mambo Mike. I'm just fucking with him. He knows why I'm fucking with him. But, so Jim Cornette doing this, he's got to be gone. Now, NWA, though, they have um, a problem as well. Because, number one, other people there heard this remark and did nothing about it until the snowball turned into a giant fucking catastrophe. And them trying to pull the... One of our talents said something offensive and we're pulling it and we're editing it. No, motherfucker, that's not enough. And I'm not one of these snowflakes where this person's head needs to go and this person's head needs to go. But NWA's got to show some balls right now and say, you know, look, you know, we, we heard it. We didn't think, you know, at first that it was all that offensive because he said in the past, I'm sure that's not a good explanation, but be fucking honest. To try to play this idea that Cornette did voiceover and just handed it to fucking NWA and they said, okay, put it on YouTube and nobody watched it. Nobody checked the volume levels. Nobody made sure that there weren't any glitches. 
That fucking video was watched repeatedly before it came on YouTube. This was not a live show. This is something that was prepared for a while. And they thought it was fine to put it on TV. Other people there. So I don't know who behind the scenes signed off on that, but someone else needs to step up, be a fucking man or be a woman if it's a woman behind the scenes that did it and fucking just say, listen, you know, on the surface, I didn't think much of it. Vintage Cornette, yeah, it was a little offensive, but, you know, the more I think about it, I realize, wow, this is something totally unacceptable, 2019. When you have a set of balls and you speak up and you actually admit your mistake, I think a lot more people will respect you for it. But this idea, one of our talents, that's that's pussy move. That's Bush move. And I'm sorry, Billy Corrigan is doing a hell of a lot of good right now with NWA. And yeah, I mean, Jim Cornette is a loose cannon. He's never going to change. He's burned some bridges over the years. That's the risk that you take when you bring him into your company. But to turn around and make him the fall guy for everything right now is just, that's pussy move. That is an absolute pussy move. I don't condone anything that Cornette said recently, whether it's Justin Roberts or this comment with Ethiopia, because you think over the years, you grow a little bit and you want to be controversial. You know, you don't have to go up the same tree that you went to, especially in outdated real. What's the next thing you're going to talk about? Monica Lewinsky. It's an outdated comment. And the fact that it's still in his heart, gone. Goodbye. Now the question is this. NWA power is retro. I mean, look at all the 40, 50, and 60-year-olds out there that are reliving their youth, talking about NWA being the greatest fucking thing around. But yet, you ask them to name 10 people on NWA's roster. You know what they'll tell you? Oh, well, uh, you get Tim Storm. Uh, uh, eh, eh, they got Nick Aldis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Trevor Murdoch. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunder Rosa. They don't fucking know. See if any of them order the pay-per-view. See if they order the fucking video. See if they order a goddamn shirt. It just makes them feel young again. There are so many fucking middle-aged people having crises right now online that NWA is wrestling fan brings them back to the youth. A little more innocent time. What do you do now when you don't have a commentator that really reflects old-school NWA like Jim Cornette? How do you replace him? The only answer that I could give right now, and I and look, this is a spur-in-a-moment thought. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm just going to give you an idea. Just an idea. You know who I think should be brought into NWA power? I don't know if they could possibly work something out. I don't think they will. I think Tony Schiavone should leave AEW and go to NWA power. And I'll tell you the reasons why. Tony Schiavone still has a big commitment to Georgia radio, sports radio. What is it, Georgia Bulldogs, I think? So he's going to, once in a blue moon, miss some of these shows. The fact that NWA Power is taped in advance, he could do voiceover, he could do things in at his convenience. And here's something else that I've been saying for several weeks now. The one thing I don't like about the AEW commentating team is similar to what is going on with some of the wrestlers in the ring. Um, is this person a heel or a face? Is this person a face or a heel? The commentators, they have no 
uh, wise ass in the commentating booth. They don't have you know, the the catalyst, the, the constructive crit- criticism. They don't have the fucking Bobby Heenan, the Corey Graves, the fucking Jesse Ventura. You have Tony Schiavone that thinks everything is great. And look, I've said since episode one of NWA Dynamite, I enjoy Tony Schiavone on that program. I enjoy Jim Ross as well. All right, Jim Ross, yeah, he's flubbed some things. Yes, he's getting a little bit older and maybe he's not extremely on point at times. But, you know, motherfuckers out there, he lost the love of his life in a tragic auto accident. The guy fucking is doing this, you know, because he loves pro wrestling. He still feels he can contribute. He definitely is still better than a lot of other commentators out there. I see podcasters out there trying to get jobs in podcasting world. You know, good for them. But you got to start somewhere and build your way up. Jim Ross is, is, he's an iron horse, all right. And maybe he can't bat 300 anymore. But, you know, you need someone to be a wise ass in that commentating team. I honestly think if Taz was put on that three man team and you take Tony Schiavone and you move him over to NWA, I think that gives you the retro feel because Tony Schiavone was NWA back in the day as far as commentary goes. And you put Taz on AEW. I think it is so so much more of a better fit because NWA needs an old school commentator. I would even be happy with someone like Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson was not all that bad. Please do not consider Mike Tanay. I swear to God, you fucking bring Mike Tanay on that TV. You know, as long as we don't have to see his goofy fucking facial expressions and stuff like that. I mean, Mike Tanay is someone that I expected to be long gone. I don't want to hear that name pop up again. Zabisco is not, yeah, that's not, he was wrestling at the time. We're talking about a commentator. Play by play. I don't think Larry Zabisco would fit that role all that great. Um, I th- And I think some people are just trolling now, but that's what I would do. That's just a quick thought. But uh, for those that did not see NWA Power this week, you had Nick Aldis uh, beat Trevor Murdoch in a non-title. You had um, Question Mark and Ricky Starks go to a no contest, interference by Aaron Stevens. I think Cole Cabana made the save. Allison Kay and Ashley Vox, they lose to Marty Bell and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, she's on to something. I think she's going to be the next, you know, indie star. You know, if I could even call it that way. She's going to, if she keeps up what she's doing, two, three years from now, she's going to be one of the big, big names out there. You know, just because she's cute and she can fucking fight a little bit and she's got face paint, you know, don't think she's the fucking, you know, the the, the next Tessa Blanchard. Got to give her time to season. Uh, Melina made an appearance, which was pretty cool. Then you have Ricky Starks and Colt Cabana. They lost to Aaron Stevens in the question mark. Uh, NWA also announced the Circle Squared competition uh, with wrestlers. And by the way, did, did I say how awesome Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix was tonight? How fucking great was that fucking match? I mean, we'll we'll talk about AEW in a second. And NXT, because I watched both. I always watch them across two TVs, put a lot of notes together. We'll get into them in a minute, but I just want to finish talking about NWA so we can move on. They announced a, a Circle Squared competition. Wrestlers attempting to earn an NWA contract. You know, look, they're going to bring in names that are on the indie circuit that are not, you know, con- contracted to... Uh, NWA power. 
I mean, come on. I mean, you see what these wrestlers do on the indie circuit. You see what they could do on the mic. All right, they're no surprise. It's, this isn't a fucking Nyla Rose. We had no idea that this person was a man or a woman or in between. Or We had no idea about any of this stuff. We offered a contract and found all this stuff later. They know what they're getting. They just want to see who actually clicks and who the fans are receptive to. And some of that is also just hype, just to give this aura like, oh, we're going to offer a contract. How do you, it's not that easy. But, um, you know, look, they definitely are onto something. I, I am enjoying NWA power. I appreciate the fact that Billy Corgan said last week of what I have been saying for quite some time and that, you know, this is a trial. The, you know, I, I just say it every week is a pilot episode. That's a series of pilots and they're going to, you know, tweak things here and there. But that old school feel they definitely need a voice from yesteryear. And unfortunately, there's not too many names out there to choose from. Um, I don't know how long Tony Schiavone's contract is with AEW. But I personally think putting Schiavone in, in NWA, maybe you hire another wise-ass, you know, maybe you could use a, a wrestler that would do some commentary. I'm not saying like an Eddie Kingston, but maybe you, you could consider having a wrestler do some commentary. A lot of this is, you know, ad lib, you know, voiced over. You know, it's it's spliced in later on. So it's not like a wrestler, me man, gonna peer, compete in the ring. I can't mean it. You know, obviously he's not gonna call his own match. Cole Cabana is another good idea. There, there's some names, but I think right now you need at least one voice from yesteryear if you're gonna do that retro feel to it. Just my opinion. So now, AEW tonight, NXT tonight. Easily, easily, easily my favorite week since these two shows have been airing at the same time on Wednesday nights. Um, I personally think Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix tore the house down tonight. My favorite match of both shows, without a doubt. Um, one thing that I will bring up right now, even though, you know, look, my shows that I do here are not, TV recaps. Yes, I will get into the match results. I'll spend some more time on matches and some other matches I won't spend any time on. You know, if you want to hear AEW today from Indianapolis in the dark match, you had Kenny Omega defending the AAA Mega Championship against Jack Evans. The opening match, Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix, blah, 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 blah. I don't fucking do that. I tell you whatever comes to mind or whatever I feel like bringing up. But one thing I, I think AEW needs to do, you cannot be this fucking pussy-ass snowflake where if we don't have the balls to fire any promotion because somebody does bad. Of course, everybody makes mistakes. Of course, everybody slips up. I mean, come on. You look at recently, everybody was making such a big deal about Charlotte having some missed spots. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. But I personally think this fucking referee, what's what's this guy's name? Who's the referee tonight? Anybody remember for the private party, Santana and Ortiz match? What was the referee's name? Could we call him Peter Avalon? I, I can't remember his name right now. Someone will pull it up for me, but they need to get rid of this guy. I mean, that botch tonight was absolutely horrendous. All right. You know, look, of course, 
it's not technically his fault because a wrestler did not kick out in time, but the referee can't fucking all of a sudden just stop, look to the left, see nobody there, acting like his fucking leg is shot and all this other stuff. Please, chat, all due respect, don't be guessing names. I'll fucking get the name later on. You know, don't be guessing names, please, because then I just ignore the chats the whole night. But um, that referee needs to go. This is not the first time that a referee has had a horrendous botch. And this is two weeks. I think two of the last three weeks, we had a referee have a tremendously horrendous botch. And that that was awful. Absolutely awful. If a wrestler does not kick out in time, that's it. You count to three. Fans don't like it. Yeah, let it report be reported later on that the match wasn't supposed to end at that point, but somebody forgot to kick out, and that's the end of it. The referee just stopping and looking around like, hey, what the fuck do I do? What the fuck do I do? It was garbage. And that referee, I can't remember his name right now. We'll, we'll just call him Peter Avalon from now. What, seriously, could, could somebody... Ex- explain to me in one or two sentences why this anorexic fuck keeps getting these spots on T. I don't care if he gets squashed in 10 seconds. I don't care if you, you know, it's, it gets to a point where it's just a fucking joke. I mean, if you look at Luchasaurus squashing him in 10 seconds, I mean, even when Luchasaurus hit his move, like this guy just, oh, it's, it's horrendous. I, I, I'm serious. I'd rather watch Baron Corbin for 12 hours straight. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking about this. You mean to tell me you can't get someone that, that's a little bit bigger or doesn't look... This It's a fucking joke. That's not even funny. I mean, yeah, he gets squashed and he keeps getting bitched out. But, and don't give me, oh, well, somebody's got to be the, you know, the squash guy in this, this and that. That's what you settle for? That's fucking garbage. It's it's not even a James Ellsworth situation because at least James Ellsworth, you kind of felt bad for and, you know, he was animated. This guy thinks he was ravishing Rick Rude and, he, you know, his mic work is okay. Run a fucking podcast. Run a podcast. Oh, garbage. Anyway, AEW Tonight from Indianapolis. Excellent show. I mean... You know what was so great also about Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix? I didn't see anybody mention it online. Not one. And maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I will admit less next week that I'm wrong. But I actually went through my DVR really quickly to double check it. Does anybody out there know what was even better about that match tonight? No commercial break. I do not recall one commercial break during that match. Uh, Ray Phoenix is fucking phenomenal. Now, Nick Jackson had to wrestle solo. They're, they're selling the fact that Matt Jackson is injured. So Nick Jackson wrestled his first match in a very, very long time. Um, and I've said this many times in the past. The Young Bucks, a lot of their matches are like playing a video game. You know, I, I understand, you know, not selling things as, as much as it should Hell, I remember back in the day with TNA, what was the big uh, complaint that I always had? Um, TNA X Division, that everybody would fucking 
no sell everybody because they all had to hit their finishers. Everybody was Undertaker. They get hit with somebody's finisher, they get right back up, and then they hit their finisher. And then the next person gets right back up and hits their finisher. Paul Turner, there you go. Referee Paul Turner, head official, head official for AEW. Get rid of this motherfucker, please. Or better yet, I don't want to be that you know blatant with him. Um, keep him off TV for a couple of months, seriously. Or if you if you even want to negotiate this, let him work matches that don't have these false finishes over and over and over and over again. You know, let him do calmer matches, more methodical matches. You know, this guy is not suited for um, these really, you know, fast-paced matches. And again, I'm going to bring this up again because I know someone out there is thinking what I said before. Um, All right, it wasn't his fault. The wrestler was supposed to kick out earlier. It's not the point. The point is, is that you have to be prepared for a lot of adversity. And this guy, when he stopped... And he looked to his left, his fucking leg, his groin, is this, is that, is this. I mean, whatever it is. Or maybe, you know, the the other member of, um, I still like to call him LAX, but proud and powerful, beautiful, whatever they are. Um, Maybe they were supposed to pull the ref out of the ring. The point is, is that you have to be prepared for when something like that doesn't happen. And that's just God awful. And you know what? I blame it on the ref. I blame it on the ref because there have been other times over the years where there has been, um, you know, a count that gets a little bit botched, but people pretty much know how to cover it up a little bit more. The bold and the beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, schmuck. Schmucker. Schmucker. Schmucker is jelly. So anyway, Nick Jackson, Ray Phoenix tore it up. Um, Towards the end of the match, that super kick exchange was great. You have Ray Phoenix getting the victory. And look, you look at the the Young Bucks win-loss record. That's the number one reason why this win-loss record stuff is nonsense. I told all of you that before you know it, that win-loss record bullshit is going to get tweaked. Now they're saying at the beginning of the year, they're going to reset everybody to zero. And you know what? The more I think about that, that's a good thing to do because someone, as they progress you know, in their future major star, if they get a little momentum, then they go on a winning streak, you know, suspension and disbelief. Someone who gets a little bit older, you know, unless you're Billy Gunn, um, you know, somebody gets a little bit older may start going on a losing streak. But um, you look at the Young Bucks and you look at their win-loss record. I mean, does anybody think that they're not in line for a title shot anytime soon? In a snap of a finger, the Young Bucks could be tag champs. All right, it's just the the way it is. Um, but again, as far as I remember, I don't recall a commercial break during that match, which was made it that much better. Uh, next, you had Dr. Britt Baker losing to Hikaru Shida. Anybody remember about three weeks ago or so, I said, you know, keep Shida on your radar. You know, she is definitely going to be an AEW Women's Champion very, very soon. I still feel that way. She is extremely, extremely talented. Yeah, maybe can't cut promos and stuff like that, but she's so fucking talented. And I think Hikaru Shida, maybe she's not the next AEW Women's Champion, but this time, six months from now, she's got to have that title at least once. 
Um, very talented. Dr. Britt Baker, I don't know if she was bleeding from the nose today, and she's not bad. She really is not at all. Um, I'm just curious if anybody else gets this vibe. I don't know why, but I get the Nikki Bella with, with a little bit more talent vibe. She's not, you know, they got similar physique. She doesn't dress with her tits popping out. She doesn't like rotate her ass or anything like that. But she gives me this Nikki Bella vibe. I don't know why. I just, you know, that's just me right now. And again, please, for fans of Britt Baker, please don't get angry with me because I'm not shitting on her at all. I'm just giving you my honest, you know, uh, just if I had to compare her to anybody from yesteryear that, that you know, gives me a similar vibe, it, it kind of reminds me of Nikki Bella, to be honest with you. And you know why I think also, uh, look, when she was in her hometown, that promo package was, you know, appropriate without a doubt. Um, she actually, I think, was the number one contender before tonight. And she's decent in the ring. She's not bad at all. But, you know, you see number one contender. You see the big promo package. You see all this focus around her. And I don't know if she actually should be in that position right now. And what was the one, one thing that we knocked about Nikki Bella more than anything in the past? That she was getting so much focus on herself that it felt like it wasn't deserving. All right, you've been, you've been there for 10 years. Good. Get a fucking trophy to put on your mantle. It doesn't mean I need to see a fucking headline, the, the first women's evolution pay-per-view. That was ridiculous. And that's why that match with Ronda Rousey was god-awful. This is my opinion. But anyway, uh, next we had this Dark Order inspirational promo. Join the Dark Order. Um, I don't know if anybody out there felt like this vibe with the NWA, with their hokey commercials. Um, I'm not into the Dark Order. I've already expressed how I feel about it. You know, having that, that inspiration. And you know what? I said this on Twitter and I'll say it now. All right. And trust me, I ain't no fucking skinny person. I still, I'm still, what, 255? You know, but it's better than being in the threes. But I get a kick out of what I saw tonight. And it's not everybody. That's why I specifically say certain things. But I expect in 24 hours, you're going to see a lot more of them do it. But take note of all of the goofs in podcast land and website land. that are going to make fun of that overweight guy in the fucking train station with the broken glasses that got punked out and all that other shit. And, they, you know, some people are calling him Conrad and some people are making fun of him. And it looks like it. Look, I'm not talking about regular people out there who actually reveal themselves. I find it amazing how certain podcasters and websites out there could make fun of other people's looks but yet you go on their profiles. Some of them don't put, put their real names. Some of them don't have a picture. Some of them use baby pictures or pictures from 15 years ago. They show nothing about themselves in 2019. And what some of them will do is they'll give it the impression, hey, you know, I'm going to go here and, you know, oh, I'm going to appear over here. And, ah, oh, you know, I forgot. I had to clean the toilet. 
And meanwhile, you never see any. So talk about throwing rocks in glass houses. You know, and yes, we'll get to Orton and Tony Khan and all that other guard awful shit from earlier this week. Even though I talked about it Monday a little bit. But take note of all the websites and all the podcasters that don't ever show current pictures or videos of themselves, but yet are going to make fun of that guy. Seriously. And what's so ridiculous and it's so mental about these fools is they think that nobody notices this. Just take note. I've already counted, I think, 11 people that I saw tonight that have no fucking current media about themselves and they're making fun of that fucking fat guy in the in the train. Unbelievable. So, But I still won't join the Dark Order. If you want to join the Dark Order, join the Dark Order. But I'm not joining the Dark Order. Uh, I'm just not into it. Now, we get the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. The Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. You know, this reminds me of uh, the match that took place in, uh, I don't know if it was Thunder. It was either Nitro or Thunder, where they had all these participants in a match and the final two would actually face off the following week and the winner of that would get a shot at the WCW Heavyweight Championship and it came down to Benoit and Dean Malenko and then the following week they had their match and it ended up being a no fucking contest. They did all that fucking tournament stuff and they had their match and it ended up being a no contest. And I think they had the following match the following week to try to make up for it. But tonight they had the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, the MJF ring we should call it. And basically what it is, is they had 12 wrestlers in the ring today and um, not whoever wins the battle world tonight, but the final two men that are in the ring tonight, they will fight next week. And the winner will get a dynamite diamond ring. Now, forgive me if I have the participants wrong. Uh, I, write as quickly as I can. And remember, I have N NXT playing at the same time. But from what I wrote down, I had Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian, Jungle Boy, Hangman Cage, Marco Stunt, Pentagon, Sonny Kiss, Joey Janela, MJF, Jimmy Havoc, and 56-year-old Billy Gunn, the big show of AEW. Motherfucker, you see how... How overpowering, how overpowering he was amongst the other eight. This guy was fucking the big show tonight. Look, anybody that listens to my other shows, you know I have been showing the love for Billy Gunn for a long time. One thing I kept bringing up is how unbelievable shape this guy remains. And tonight, I mean, no different. Not only is he in unbelievable shape, but going on 57 years old, this guy could still throw punches in the ring, could still hit the Famouser, could still do. Now, could he have long one-on-one -on -one matches? Probably not. It would be cutting it close. But when you put him in spots like this where he gets a couple of moves, it's fucking great, man. I definitely want to see Billy Gunn 
do some more stuff. Now, I know some of you out there are probably wondering, wait a minute, Billy Gunn, isn't that a WWE trademark name? What's going to happen with that? I don't know. And I honestly did not have the time to do the research. I don't know if maybe he bought the trademark for it or the, or the copyrights to it. I don't know. But um, it was really, really cool to see him tonight. It was really cool to finally see Sonny Kiss on AEW's main product. I know we had him on Dark, but it was cool to see him. And, um, you know, look, I get it. You know, you have um, special effects. You have gimmick weapons. I mean, you have people saying, oh, I'm so uncomfortable watching John Moxley and Kenny Omega, you know, do a suplex splash into um, fake barbed wire. I mean, sure, the plastic tips still hurt, but, you know, my God, what did, what did you think they were falling in? Real barbed wire? Go back to watch the end of Born to be Wired 1997. You tell me if two people could get out of there without fucking bleeding and not tangled up. The, wor the bad thing about real barbed wire is as you move around, you get more tangled into it. All right? So I, and I have no problem. Look, Mish and I did that two-hour pay-per-view recap of Full Gear. We love the match. And I give AEW massive props for not caving in to the snowflakes out there. It came in the past. See? Came in the past. That's that's exactly what we expected to happen. And I don't mind the props, but please, don't do that again today with Jimmy Havoc. You know, the suspension of disbelief that he's stapling everyone. Okay, you want to staple someone in the nuts? All right, fine. But when you're stapling someone in the head two, three, four times and referees are checking you out and then you do a close-up on the guy's forehead a minute later and there's no blood, no staples, no cuts, no nothing. Having Jimmy Havoc out there with an empty stapler gun is almost as bad as Orange Cassidy standing next to a rope and people just throwing themselves out of the ring. You know, this isn't fucking Papa Shanga voodoo shit. You know, that stuff with the stapler gun today, dumb, stupid, not needed, all right? Yeah, maybe you don't want to use real staples. Well, then you know what? There's a reason why you don't use a staple gun in a match for the most part. If the people in the ring don't want to get hit with a staple, then you don't fucking use the staple gun. There was a lot of other things he could have used tonight. The fact he's stapling every single person and Billy Gunn three, four times in the head. I thought Billy Gunn was fucking you know, blading himself. Then I would, if I would have saw a little blood, I would be like, wow, a fucking great visual. But nothing, nothing. Did not like it at all. Um, so anyway, uh, basically to finish in a match, we thought Jungle Boy uh, and Hangman Page were the final two participants in the ring. Uh, what had happened was MJF, uh, and it was a funny interaction with Sonny Kiss and Billy Gunn during the match as well. Sonny Kiss, you know, moving his ass around, kind of reminiscent of when Billy Gunn was Mr. Ass. Then MJF throws Sonny Kiss over the top rope, which got, you know, pretty decent booze from the crowd. But MJF, everybody thought was eliminated. I don't know why everybody thought he was eliminated. Because if he would have been eliminated, it would have been allowed as pop of the night. But people just forgot that MJF was still in the match. So when Jungle Boy and Hangman Page ended up being the last two, and Jungle Boy, I'm looking at him, and yeah, look, he's a talented guy, no question. 
you know, he's a little small, you know, the, for me to see him go against Hangman Page. But okay, I, I would have no problem with it. But MJF sneaks up from behind, eliminates Jungle Boy. So next week you have Hangman Page versus MJF and a winner getting the diamond ring. I, it almost feels like MJF, especially he's his cocky, you know, asshole. It's his character and he probably is a little of that reflection in real life. So it kind of makes sense for him to win. I mean, Hangman Page walking around with a fucking diamond ring, I just doesn't doesn't fit in. So almost feel like it has to be MJF getting this next week. Uh, now, next we had Chris Jericho coming out with uh, Jake Hager, makes an announcement that next week in Chicago there's going to be a celebration was funny because during um, Jericho's promo, he kept apologizing to the fans. And every time he was about to say he was sorry, he would give Jake Hager the mic. And all Jake Hager would say, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, hey, uh, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, we're going to, we can't do this in Indianapolis. So I got to do it in Chicago or I'm sorry, I'm in Indianapolis. But it was just funny. I kept giving him the mic back and forth. It was pretty funny. But um, out of nowhere, we have SCU hitting the ring. And uh, look, I like SCU. I mean, Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Daniels, they, they, they're talented, you know, especially Daniels and Kazarian being veterans and everything. Scorpio is good on the microphone. No doubt about it. I mean, he's great on the microphone. But... um. You know, him taking on Jericho next week for the AEW Heavyweight title gave me the same vibe of Kenny Omega defending his AAA title against Jack Evans in AEW Dark. Does anybody in their mother think that there's any chance? And look, for all I know, the, the Dark match result, maybe Kenny Omega did lose. But, you know, sometimes you have matches where you just know there ain't no fucking way that we're going to have like a surprise outcome. I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams thinks that Scorpio's guy has any chance of beating Chris Jericho for that title next week. Will it be a good match? Um, by the way, uh, are those? Okay. After Dynamite went off the air, all right, you had the referees helping Darby Allen to the back. Thank you, Shazi Ali. Awesome Kong versus Leva Bates. Not going to give the spoilers. Shauna versus Big Swall. And you had Kenny Omega versus Jack Evans for the AAA Mega Championship. Um, and what, Pentagon Jr. versus Trent? Is that is that also a dark match? So not going to give any uh, spoilers. But, you know, there's some matches where you just know what the outcome is going to be. And Scorpio, look, he cut a great promo tonight. I mean, there was one thing that he said that I got a kick out of. He said that he's going to make El Champion, no, Le Champion, he's going to turn Le Champion into Le Bitch. And that got a good pop from the crowd. Then they started brawling. Next thing you know, you have Luchasaurus hit the ring. You have uh, you know Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy. And it was a nice little brawl. And this ultimately led to Luchasaurus squashing Peter, uh, anorexic Peter Avalon in 10 seconds. You know, I gave my comments earlier how I felt about that. Uh, private party, 
um, defeating Santana and Ortiz. Look, we talked about it the night of the Full Gear pay-per-view, the tragedy of Matt Travis. We got into the particulars. I really don't want to get into it now again. And uh, props to AEW last week for name-dropping Matt Travis and also making this match today a tribute match. Because honestly, Santana Ortiz lose nothing by losing this match tonight. Uh, was it a great match? No, it had its spots. The referee screw-up was just appalling. And again, I don't blame the referee 100%, but you know, just what followed after that was just garbage. It was absolute garbage. But, you know, look, I'm sure there's some people out there will say, you know, there's a lot of emotions running high during this match, and no question. Very, very um, cool move when they put Matt Travis's tribute shirt on the, the ring ropes. And um, you see, Matt Travis, 99% of fans out there never knew this man's name before he tragically died, you know, in, in getting, you know, run over by the dump truck. Um, even though I heard it was a garbage truck, not a dump truck, but still getting killed like that, you know, just riding your bicycle at 2.30 in the morning because you're exercising? Come on. So fucked up. They, and I don't know if they arrested the guy yet, but there's cameras all over over there. So trust me, who they're going to they're gonna arrest somebody. I think someone will end up turning themselves in if they did not uh, already. I have not followed up to see if there's been any arrest. I'm sure if there was, we all would have heard about it by now. But... Um, but you see, you see AEW tonight paying tribute to the guy, the wrestlers paying tribute to the guy, a name that 99% of fans never heard of before, and nobody felt like indie-ish, if you know what I mean. Like, what you know, I expected, you know, some people would be like, look, nobody knows who this guy is. Why do they got to make it such a big broadcast? But that's why... It was so cool to see what they did tonight because you show respect and you show appreciation and you show love for people who are fallen. You know, having Santana Ortiz, you know, not you know spitting on uh, the the hits the you know the memory of Matt Travis doesn't make them softies. You know, everybody's human beings at the end of the day, and to have a a a, a promotion like AEW on TNT. Paying tribute to a guy that may not have been in AEW for years and years and years. It was a very, very cool moment. So, you know, private party gets the win. So then they announced that next week, in addition to MJF and Hangman Page for the Diamond Ring, you have uh, Chris Jericho versus Scorpio Sky. Cody will be returning next week. And Pac versus Kenny Omega. Main event tonight, Darby Allen loses to John Moxley. Jesus Christ, the paradigm shift off, off the middle rope. I'm going to be straight up with everybody out there. It's a toss-up for me right now. As far as the, the spot of the year, like somebody hitting their finisher, it's a toss-up right now between Randy Orton hitting that RKO on Ricochet or John Moxley hitting the paradigm shift off the middle rope today. I honestly, I mean, look, I don't mind saying it. I honestly was paying very close attention to Darby Allen's legs 
I was like, I hope the fuck this guy didn't fucking slip at all and injure himself. When I saw him move his legs, I said, thank fucking God. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a little bit of a stinger. That was just incredible. That move was just insane. And you know what? I heard recently that AEW is looking to trademark blood and guts. If they're going to welcome a little bit more hardcore than they originally planned on doing when they first launched, good. No problems with that whatsoever. Um, I just don't want to see loads and loads of special effects. I don't want to see loads and loads of crowd noise being piped in. Um, there was a couple of moments tonight. It wasn't that big of a deal, but if you look closely, you know, it was at least one or two times that, you know, I heard this very loud chant and I'm looking at the crowd and I see virtually nobody doing it. Look, if you hear a chant going, sometimes you'll join in with it, but some of the audio in last week with Marco stunt was such a, an exposing example of that. But this main event tonight, I'm so glad that it ended before 10 o'clock because the last thing I wanted was another fucking, you know, draw with John Moxley in the main event. Um, the match with all in was great. Darby Allen is he's small, but you could see that he's got a nice connection with the fans. He's very fucking talented on the skateboard. I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen the YouTube videos and the, the videos he's posted on Twitter of some of the stuff he could do. And he doesn't overly use the skateboard. Um, I like him. I, I actually think he's a great talent and he stepped up storyline for John Moxley did not embarrass himself. I think Moxley and Darby Allen have fought before. Um, and Moxley is coming off as a big time star. You know, Moxley is getting that title. Maybe not now, maybe at AEW's quote unquote WrestleMania, but Moxley, you could see um, AEW's, pun intended, all in. So, and he's having fun, man. Moxley, you know, I had this discussion on the other shows. You pay attention to his old CZW career. Um, he craves the hardcore stuff. Not always hardcore, but he craves getting fucking knocked in the face. You know, giving a nice fucking forearm to his forehead. Any of us, we'd be woozy. And to him, I think he gets an erection from it. You know, not a physical one, but you know what I mean. Um, he's in his zone. He's in his element. And when you're allowed to do what you want to do, maybe not to the extent that you would want to do it, but when you are allowed to do what you want to do for the most part, it makes your job a hell of a lot more fun. Seriously, it really does. And um, I tell you, my favorite AEW episode so far. I mean, other than fucking Avalon, I there's really not and and the referee botch. There's nothing I really could complain about tonight. So kudos to them. Um, now we go over the NXT. Uh, I said what I said earlier, addressing you know a certain tweet about you know all the WWE guys showing up tonight. I love tonight's episode. Do I want to see WWE guys every week on NXT? No, because every WWE wrestler that wrestled tonight took away a spot that an NXT wrestler would have had tonight. But I use the same pay-per-view mentality that was said a long time ago, that some people, I think CM Punk was one of them, 
who was angry that The Rock was going to be on a pay-per-view because that could be a spot that someone else... No, but if he's a fucking draw and people are going to spike buy rates because this man is going to be on the card, you do that. So if this is going to spark more interest and think about the complaints. This is why I had such a problem with what Alvarez wrote and other people wrote tonight. Think of the complaints that we had the last two weeks about NXT with Survivor Series. You have NXT show up on SmackDown the night that WWE wrestlers were not back from Saudi Arabia yet. You have NXT show up on Raw the following Monday, and even though it wasn't as great as SmackDown, they fucking took over, pun intended. They fucking dominated. And out of both SmackDown and Raw, the only in-storyline response is the OC showing up. No women, no nothing. So then the following week, you know, the same thing happens again. And then we're like, okay, you know, the week after Bailey, that was the only person I thought needed to show up last week. And she did. But now you're going into the pay-per-view and you mean to tell me that you would rather have not seen all of these WWE wrestlers tonight? Could you imagine what these people would have wrote tonight? This is why I don't like some people who are way too much in the AEW pocket. Because no matter what WWE would have done tonight, they would have been criticized. They criticized all of the WWE main roster stars that showed up tonight. If they wouldn't have showed up tonight, you would have had these same people say, wow, they're heading into Survivor Series and they brought nobody to NXT. Storyline has got awful, blah, 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 blah. So WWE was damned if they do and damned if they don't. So if you're damned both ways, then you're better off being damned if you do. Because it made a fun episode. And what was the one thing that I have been saying for about a month and a half now that I wanted in NXT? I wanted lots of disarray. Maybe it was a little bit too much of it tonight, but a lot of disarray makes a fun fucking show, in my opinion. So we had NXT tonight, uh, taking place from full sale as they always do. Um, we open up with Becky Lynch in the ring and she's cutting a promo and she's getting nice chance from the crowd. And she's, she's talking about, it's been a while since she's been there and been a while since she's kicked someone's ass live on NXT loud NXT chance, loud Becky chance, Rhea Ripley hits the ring and the fans got behind Rhea Ripley. What was the chant we heard tonight? Rhea's gonna kill you. Rhea's gonna... Then she follows up with saying, so you're the man? Let's see if you have a set of balls. So we have Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch. And with all due respect, putting pay-per-views aside, when was the last time you had Becky Lynch wrestle on Raw SmackDown for 10 minutes? They had a great match, went almost 10 minutes. Unfortunately, it ended in a no contest. She kind of felt that it had to end in a no contest because Becky is in uh, uh, unpopular waters, not as far as the fans, but the wrestlers were in the back. So you had, you know, interference from Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, Marina, Marina Shafir, and they basically beat the fuck out of both of them, and it goes to a no contest. Um... Next, we had the revival shown on camera that they were showing up. And uh, this was pretty damn good, man. We had um, Matt Riddle was supposed to take on, I think it was Kona Reeves. And Kona Reeves is coming out. You know, they're talking about how, you know, he hasn't really found his place yet. And he gets jumped by Ricochet. 
So the crowd is fucking into Ricochet. Matt Riddle's music hits. And we get all of a sudden an impromptu match of Matt Riddle versus Ricochet. And it, it was great while it lasted. But we have to talk about a botch as well. At the very end of that match, you had Cesaro and Nakamura hit the hit the um, the ringside area. They distract Ricochet, and Matt Riddle basically rolls up Ricochet. And um, if you look at it again, you know, he was trying to hit the crucifix pin. Very very sloppy. It did not look good at all. And but Matt Riddle does get the win. Very quick match, but it did what it needed to do. Um, but I think the moment that everybody will remember from this segment, uh, Nakamura, you know, was going after Matt Riddle a little bit. Roderick Strong came out, hit Nakamura. Finn Balor comes out, he's going at it with Matt Riddle. Somehow Cesaro ends up out of the ring, knocked out of the ring. And, you know, the ringside area of NXT, they don't have, they have the guardrails, but they cover it up with the material and the NXT logos and the, you know, the felt material. So you don't really see the guardrails, but Cesaro was on the other side of it. Fucking Ricochet um, climbs the rope and dives over the NXT guardrail area onto Cesaro. And the way the camera, they had it, it looked real sweet. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was great. Um, so now next we have Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who are the NXT tag champs. They wrestle the revival and they defeat the revival. Undisputed Era wins about 18 minutes. I'm gonna be totally honest with everybody out there. It was an entertaining match. Um, I don't understand why it went 18 minutes. I re- I understand and I saw it and I enjoyed it. It got to a point where the crowd was chanting tag team wrestling, tag team wrestling. The match was great, but 18 minutes, I don't know if we needed to see the revival in an 18-minute match today. You want to go 12 minutes, 13 minutes, use that four or five minutes for something else? Absolutely. But it felt a little bit too long for me. It was a great match. Don't get me wrong. Um, and the revival can be a little bit bland on the main product, and that's more WWE's fault than anything else. But uh, it was a decent match. But I was very surprised that it went almost 20 minutes. Um, I would have rather have seen other wrestlers have some more time. Um, next we had the NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. She defeated um, Dakota Kai. Non-title match, very, very quick match once again. Um, after the match is over, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, they get involved. Kyrie Sane gets involved, Tegan Knox, and it was a flat-out brawl. Nikki Cross showing a little cleavage tonight. Cute. And um, you know, she came out with a trash can lid. I don't know why her music was playing, though, because she is not NXT. But, hey, you know, not a big deal. Overanalyzing a little bit. But if you thought that I questioned the length of matches tonight or one or two, I really, really did not like that the Viking Raiders uh, wrestled the Forgotten Sons to almost 10 minutes. 
And the only reason why I say it, it's not against the uh, the Forgotten Sons at all. All right, you know the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake, Steve Cutler. They're they're trying. They're absolutely trying. I I'm not feeling them yet. But you portray the Viking Raiders on Raw, of squashing people in a minute, destroying motherfuckers, dominating like no other, and a team like the Forgotten Sons takes them to ten minutes. I thought that was a little bit over the top. I I didn't think that was needed. You think about that between the revival, undisputed era, and the Viking Raiders Forgotten Sons matches. It that went almost thirty minutes between those two, and we're not even talking about commercial breaks as well. Um, I'm sorry, you know the Forgotten Sons, the revival, the Viking Raiders. They they, they were great matches. The, in fact, the Viking Raiders and the Forgotten Sons really picked up towards the end. But I don't know. I just found myself really focusing more on AEW at this time. And almost felt like WWE saw where AEW was putting some of their prime, you know, more prime content. And I guess this was their way to offset it. So now we go to the main event. Diamond Dominic Dijakovic, yes, I got his name down pat now. He fought Adam Cole, ladder match with the winner getting the advantage of War Games. And um, I think a lot of people forget that Dijakovic is 6'7. He's a tall motherfucker. To see some of the stuff that he does is very impressive. And to see some of the moves that Adam Cole was hitting today on a 6'7 guy was impressive too. But, um, you know, the, the new thing, instead of tables, is going through wooden ladders. And that shit fucking hurts. Yeah, this was a ladder match. And yes, you know, the match with uh, Mia Yim and Yoshirai was also a ladder match. But you would think that maybe you incorporate a table or two also. Um, going through ladders, it looks very painful. Thank God Mia Yim did not suffer serious injury and neither did Dijakovic, but it was a great match. Um, that match I kind of wish would have went a little bit longer. Um, the ending, you had, you know, a lot of people getting involved. I mean, we obviously knew that NXT was going to go off the air with lots of brawling and God bless those fickle fans. God bless those fickle fans. Um, I wonder if Seth Rollins, and, and I have defended Seth Rollins quite a bit. I think a lot of you regular listeners know that. But, you know, him calling fans fickle, you know, I told everybody out there, and you saw it again tonight. I think one of the big reasons why fans started turning on Seth Rollins is he's turned into a gimmick. I mean, you know, we always were chanting, burn it down, or they were. But, you know, now with the super kick, burn it down, burn it down. And then he's name dropping towns and name dropping this, try to get cheap pops. So he got a chant tonight, uh, Seth's not cool, which was pretty funny. We had, you know, raw wrestlers show up. It was pretty funny because Zack Ryder ain't in no Survivor Series matches, thank God. Uh, he was there. You had uh, some names that some people reported were going to be there tonight. They were not there, obviously. 
But you had, you know, various wrestlers from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT brawling to go off the air. But the ones that probably stood out the most was Drew McIntyre. My God, when he fucking landed that kick, Jesus Christ, the crowd ate it up. But then Keith Lee hits the ring and hits the powerbomb on Drew McIntyre. And Keith Lee then is confronted by, what, what was it, um... Was it Eric? Was it Eric that actually hit the ring? Someone just remind me. Was it? I think it was Eric, right? Or was it Ivar? Um, come on, somebody quick. Eric or Ivar? Which one of them hit the ring to confront Keith Lee? It was Ivar. Thank you, chat. It was Ivar. Ivar is looking at Keith Lee because basically what they were doing is each person like hits a move that someone else surprises. So you know you had. You know, Drew McIntyre, then you had Keith Lee. Then you have Ivar at the ring, and he's looking at Keith Lee, and these two are fucking bohemians. Meanwhile, there's about 15 wrestlers outside the ring, kind of brawling, but setting up their position because you know that somebody's taking a dive. But instead of Ivar and Keith Lee brawling, they both run to one side of the ring, to the opposite side of the ring, dive over the top rope, and land on all the wrestlers. Impressive. Especially Ivar. I mean, it was just, it was such a cool visual. But then, you know, Adam Cole is looking at everyone and he's got this smile on his face that everybody's laid out except for him. This is where Seth Rollins hits the ring. Seth Rollins, you know, is going to attack Adam Cole. Tommaso Ciampa's music hits. And, you know, we think that Ciampa's going to immediately confront Seth Rollins. Instead, he takes uh, the scenic route and nailed Adam Cole because remember, Ciampa and Cole will be brawling very, very soon. So uh, then Ciampa hits the ring and we go off the air with Tommaso Ciampa and Seth Rollins brawling a little bit. And um, look, the ladder match was okay. wasn't spectacular. I mean, obviously, we're all going to remember what happened when it went off the air. But, um, you know, the bottom line is Adam Cole did defeat Dominic Dijakovic. So uh, Adam Cole's team will have the advantage in the War Games match. So right now, I believe there's only four matches announced uh, for War Games. So this weekend, I'll post my predictions on social media. For our patrons, no, there's not going to be an NXT uh, predictions contest. We already did one for AEW this month, and we're doing one for Survivor Series as well. So, uh, you know, two in one month is, is <laughs> I think, is more than enough because it technically should only be one. But come on, going off the air tonight, NXT and AEW really delivered. Anybody out there that's going to complain about either show is just, I send me whatever drugs you're taking, in my opinion. So a um, couple of tidbits of news. Uh, unfortunately, uh Josh Alexander from Impact tore his bicep. Don't know how long he's going to be out of action. Uh, I, I, this is where I actually get a kick out of things. Aaliyah, you know, last week she had that match. She posted that photo on social media where she looked like she was upset and her nose was bleeding. And I saw grown, for the most part, men. I saw grown men making fun of her. You're calling her and all these names, comparing her to, you know, undesirable wrestlers out there, like making fun of her because of the pose. And I remember when Mission and I did Breakfast Soup on Friday, 
know, we went out of our way to say like, you know, come on, you know, be a fucking man, you know, making fun of a woman. It ends up that she really didn't break her nose in the match, that they did that because she was getting uh, nasal surgery. Somebody told me it was for a deviated symptom. Someone else told me it was a little bit cosmetic, but it was more a medical reason. So I fucking want to give a shout out to every fucking middle-aged goof out there that made fun of this woman because of the picture, and it ended up that she really didn't break her nose. So, you know, just fucking, it's pathetic, man. It's really pathetic. Huh, a few people are asking me, what is advertised so far for war games? Well, you have Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane versus Damian Priest. The winner of that match will take on Adam Cole at Survivor Series. So take note, and we talked about it on Friday. We, You'd think, based on the setup for Survivor Series, we would have had Adam Cole versus Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar. But, you know, obviously Brock Lesnar, uh, I don't think, I don't think we should see Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt as the fiend interacting with each other right now. So they decided to take all three heavyweight champions and put them in individual matches. Um, I'm thinking Pete Dunne probably would be the ideal person to take on Adam Cole at Survivor Series. Uh, I would fucking pop if Damian Priest got the opportunity. I don't, I don't want to see Killian Dane at <laughs> Survivor Series. Sorry. Just my opinion. You also got Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. And the two War Games matches, the Undisputed Era of Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and another wrestler to be named. Then we have the women's side, which is Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kay Lee Ray. Congratulations goes out to Tessa Blanchard. She and Daga got engaged, so good for them. Best wishes go out to NXT's Boa, who had surgery last week for his torn rotator cuff. So best wishes to him. Um, now, a lot of people still don't know what the deal is. I personally think that they needed they need to be pre-recorded. Jericho's cruise is going to be taking place the third week in January. And as a result, the January 22nd episode, at least, of Dynamite is going to be uh, taking place from Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Cruise. I personally think, with the risk of people being vulgar and drunk, I think that these matches need to be recorded earlier in the day and then air on tape delay for AEW Dynamite. You know, Dynamite being pre-recorded once in a while is not a bad thing. Um, it's just that when you have live venues and then you have to change something, that's where you run into problems. So the fact that they don't have any other venue booked except for Jericho's Cruise, do it early in the day. This way, if anything gets a little bit out of hand, you have time to edit it. Just my opinion. I don't know why people out there are making such a big deal that they're calling it Bash at the Beach. Oh my God, that was a WCW pay-per-view. And how can WWE not trademark that? You have any idea how many promotions out there have had an event called Bash at the Beach? The fuck out of here. Anyway, anybody remember what my uh, pay-per-view prediction was? Um, the buy rate for a full gear? Anybody remember when Mish and I did the uh, recap? I said that the buy rate would be between 70 
and 80,000 buys. A lot of people, including Mish, were very surprised that I came up with such a low number. Well, I know Meltzer said that they did around 100,000, slightly less. When the official number comes out, everyone, just remember who told you between 70 and 80,000 buys. I had a pretty good idea that uh, that it was going to be around that. So, um, Some MLW news, they signed Jacob Fatu to a long-term deal. And they also signed, um, what the hell's her, her name? Oh, my God, uh, Alicia Tout. She, she's a cutie out there. She's not bad. I mean, she has done more than just wrestling as far as interviews go. But I tell you, MLW is not on the radar right now, but they're really, you know, they're, do, they're doing things right. I'm not the biggest fan of Court Bauer for the obvious reasons I talked about in the past, but you look at the product, they're being very consistent with what they're doing. Now, um, the thing I'm confused about is, you know, I thought MJF was finishing up his bookings uh, or he was done with other bookings, but he is wrestling at the December 5th event in Queens, New York. So, you know, I don't I I don't know, you know, these wrestlers if they end up going to be wrestling exclusive for AEW or not. Look, MJF getting more matches, he's still a very young guy and he's still going to be get better in his career. So, you know, he's not going to be able to wrestle a match in AEW every single week. So, you know, getting some of these extra matches I think are, is a good thing, but you know, MLW's not doing too bad right now. Got to give them credit. Uh, let's see. Impact is going to be doing a uh, a throwback episode on November 26th. You know, I look, the people working for Impact are really busting their ass. They're trying. But the numbers that I keep hearing that are coming in for their ratings is if you thought they were bad a year or two ago. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely horrendous. But they're going to do a retro episode. You could have uh, Ethan Page versus Willie Mack, Eddie Edwards um, versus Gama Singh. They're going to have what they're calling like a body slam challenge. You got Jordan Grace wrestling, uh, Alexia Nicole, Tessa Blanchard. You know, it, it sounds like an entertaining episode. I mean, if you haven't watched Impact for a while, and you want like a little nostalgia? Look, do you th maybe Impact is thinking, you know, with all the buzz of NWA power being, you know, like a retro feel to it, that they're going to try to do one. Now, the only difference is with Impact, when they're going retro, they're not going retro to the early 2000s when TNA was NWA TNA. They're doing a spoof of 80s. So when you watch Impact Wrestling, now me personally, why the fuck did you not do this on Halloween? I know that they weren't on Axis TV as of yet. I wait, they might have been on it. I think no, I think they might have debuted right after Halloween. But come on, man. If you're gonna do an 80s and you're gonna do like corny stuff, Halloween would have been the perfect opportunity to do that, in my opinion. But hell, if you're not doing nothing next week and you wanna watch Impact Wrestling, they're gonna do a retro. It's gonna be pretty cool. Now, uh audio announcement to make. Um, anybody that listens knows that I work very hard to give as good audio quality as possible. And then 2020, I'm going video. But next Wednesday, I will be on location. Um, 
I actually will be at the parents' house because they're in Florida right now and they're flying back in Thanksgiving morning. So I'm bird sitting right now. Anybody who follows my Twitter, you've seen, I posted some videos of uh, Freddie, but I will be going back there next Wednesday night and staying there overnight. So the bird is there because Thanksgiving morning, I am going to Connecticut for four days. And I know some of you out there know what I plan on doing that Friday. A pretty big deal. Just think Tessa Blanchard and Daga, but with a nicer ring. Um, I that If everything goes well, that's my agenda for next Friday. So I'll be on location. So the audio quality will be slightly different next week, but it'll still be a good show nonetheless. Now, before I go, I want to wrap up with a little bit of what I talked about on Monday. Um, because look, it, 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 the dust has settled a little bit. And I know the diehard, diehard, diehard AEW fans out there do not want to find any fault with Tony Khan whatsoever. But, you know, I, I made people notice on social media Tuesday that you follow certain people on Monday, how they were talking about the situation. 90% of them didn't even understand why Randy Orton made the Glass Houses comment. The, the article about Tony Khan's father being a fraud was, was bullshit. But that's why Randy Orton posted it. Because the Saudi Arabia hostage, you know, the unsafe thing was bullshit as well. So basically, Randy Orton was doing to Tony Khan what Tony Khan did to WWE, talking about how nobody was safe because uh, they were in Saudi Arabia. So instead of Tony Khan just saying, ah, touche, I, I mentioned this Monday, just because he owns a promotion, he's got a lot of money, he is a likable guy, and he is definitely intelligent, doesn't mean he's street smart. I don't even think Tony Khan realized that Randy Orton was giving him a taste of his own medicine. Because instead of Tony Khan just saying to Randy Orton, okay, touche, I wrote something fake. The wrestlers were not unsafe in Saudi Arabia. They were inconvenienced and the relatives were scared shit. Something you didn't hear on any other show but mine. But Randy Orton basically gave Tony Khan a fake story right back. And the story he chose was about Tony's father. So instead of just saying touche and moving on, Tony Khan goes racial. And actually brings up how Randy Orton said the N-word in Twitch. And what did I say about three or four weeks ago? That Tony Khan is starting to turn into Dixie Carter. I've said that a few times now. And what I didn't know on Monday was that Randy Orton called Tony Khan Jacksonville Dixie. Jacksonville Dixie. And I, look, I don't want to start making fun of Tony Khan. I don't want to start ripping him apart. But that hype, that announcement, that teaser that they did, that countdown, that they were going to be going to Florida, that was a, a, a miscue. Let's call it a miscue. But Tony Khan acting like the, the babe in the woods, like he had no idea that all this hype was going on and he didn't know what the announcement was. He was, you know, in the dark like all of us. That's a lie. And, you know, he's got to be very careful with social media because, AEW is fresh and new, and we want to see it succeed, and it, they're entertaining us, no question. But this guy can't turn into a little bitch and then try to hide it because he's given us great wrestling and interactive and this, this, and that. 
you know, bringing up Randy Orton saying the N-word and then Brandy Rhodes and Charlotte going at it a little bit because Brandy, Brandy Rhodes said that, you know, finish it now. You know, uh, Tony Khan just TKO'd Randy Orton. I don't even think Brandy Rhodes had a fucking clue of why Randy Orton wrote what he wrote. Tony Khan totally missed it. So if everybody out there, just in my opinion, that thinks that Tony Khan won that deal, he he was led to be a fool because his only comeback was to bring up that Randy Orton said the N-word. That's what a snowflake does. That's what triggered people do. It's not what a fucking, you know, owner or son of an owner of a fucking brand new wrestling company, you know, and look, I have no problem if other people have opinions on who won and who lost, but at least I tell you specifics. Now, I found it hilarious when on Monday and I explained why the glass houses thing, I saw people that heard what I said and then did a total 180 on what they were writing over and over again the night before. And they're writing almost word for word what I said. And then people are like, oh, you're a genius. You're brilliant. Wow, so smart. And I'm like, yeah. What a fucking cheap motherfuckers, you know, to do that. But I, I take it as a badge of honor. And honestly, I love stuff like that because I get to call them goofs. So anyway, um, now I repeat what I said Monday. CM Punk should have never mentioned Tony Khan's name in a tweet. All right. I don't care about the Fox show. He's, you know, he's un filtered and blah, 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 blah. It's still a WWE show at the end of the day. I don't care who the fuck he's contracted to. It's still a WWE show at the end of the day. That show is designed to, you know, not, you could criticize your own product. He criticized Baron Corbin. He criticized Seth Rollins. He criticized others. Okay, fine. But he didn't put over AEW and put over alternative products out there that could take money away from WWE. That's the difference. That's why there was really no need. I mean, look, he put Tony Khan's name in there to make it give the appearance that, look, nobody is off limits. I will talk about who I want, when I want, whatever I want. So that's why he did it. Problem is, it nosedived into all this other garbage. But I'll say this. I kind of not regret CM Punk doing that because now you see where some people, that's why when I say, you know, Tony Khan, likable guy, smart, not street smart. Because he fucking fell for Randy Orton, giving him a taste of his own medicine, and he got triggered. And his comeback was, you said the N-word. You know, so not good, not good. So we had a little controversy this week with Cornette. And this other garbage. But I think overall, we had a great week in wrestling. I'm looking forward to Survivor Series. I'm looking forward to War Games. I kind of wish that War Games and Survivor Series weren't so close together. Um, but, hell, it's going to be a great weekend for wrestling. And uh, let me know what you thought about this episode or about both shows. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony, at DonTony.com. Remember, we have the Patreon page, patreon.com slash DonTony. Five bucks, get you everything, get a lot of exclusive shows there that you don't get here. I know some people recently were asking about old episodes of the Mass Maniac show. There's quite a few of them on Patreon. Some people were asking about my old Blackhearts hotline. I used to do it, Matt Zombie and Brian Damage. There's some episodes on Patreon. So you sign up. I mean, there's hundreds, 
of episodes there that you can't get outside of Patreon. And, you know, as I always say, if you sign up for any reason, you don't like it, just send me a private message saying, man, I signed up. I'm not really feeling it. I'll give you your money back right on the spot. And I've done that a few times for people. No, I don't take it personal. It's business. And um, by the way, I mentioned this briefly on Monday, and I'll say it again here. For fans out there that went last year to C2E2, I will be there in Chicago the end of February. I will be there from February 28th to March 1st. I'm not going to be one of these guys that's going to tell you for months and years that, you know, I'm going to be there and be there and be there and then make an excuse at the end. My plane is already paid for. The hotel is already booked. I am there. I am done. The only reason why I wouldn't be there is if I'm dead, if I'm arrested, or if something tragic happens in my family. And you know me. I'm very transparent. If something were to happen, I will document it. It will not just be a fucking one-liner excuse. So I am there. I know Mish is going to be there. I know uh, Lee Sanders from RCWR show is going to be there. John Krauser. I think Dells is trying to go. It's going to be an awesome fucking weekend. And we didn't even talk about what C2E2 is all about. So it's going to be great. So I hope all of you listening, if you're thinking about going to Chicago for C2E2, maybe the fact that we're all going to be hanging out um, and we'll, we'll have our own you know, room or building, whatever it is. Um, I'm trying to think who else is going to be there. Julian is going to be there. It's it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be awesome. I don't know if Draper or um, Joe Numbers is going to be there. Uh, I know Drapes works, so his schedule's kind of iffy. Numbers does as well, but I think Numbers is really trying to, to go. But I know Mish is going to be there, obviously, so we're going to be hanging it's going to be a great weekend, everybody. The only thing I'm going to think about, um, Pence, no, Kev uh, says he's got to work. So um, he will not be there. But um, I'll, the only thing I'm deciding right now is, do I bring my Don Tony outfit with me? Do I bring Deli Man outfit with me? Or do I just bring myself? So I, I, I really want to just go with a carry-on. I really don't want to be checking in luggage. I, I actually got um, first class, which was cool. I was very surprised at how cheap the first class was. I was like, this can't be right. But yeah, I got first class. So I just want to go there with a carry-on. So this way I get on here. Because I'm not a fan of air, airports. When I went to Florida a month and a half ago because of my parents, I did that because my father broke, fractured his vertebrae. You know, that's the first time I've flown since two, uh, 1999. I don't like flying. Ever since 9-11, I am petrified for flying. I had fucking took Valium to, to go. So I'm not looking forward to flying. But once I get there, we'll have a great time. So, all right, I'm out of here. And everyone, enjoy the rest of the week. I will be back next Wednesday with episode 11. We're ready at 11. Coming up, 11. Next Wednesday, Wednesday night, Dynamite. Take care, everyone. Be well. i talk to you soon. Ciao. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. 
My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. 